Exit 31. Well, I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Where in the world is Odell Beckham Jr.? <laughs> That's good. Where's he going to go? It's, it's not Carmen San Diego. You're Spencer Davidson. I'm Rain, and the glue guy is in studio. It is Exit 31. We'll chat with you at QSportsTalk.com. We're on ESPN Radio. Jim Beheim is uh, closing in on 1,000 career wins. They, they mentioned that, showed the graphic last night during the game against Lafayette that Syracuse obviously won handily. Uh, 97 to 63, and we did see the walk-ons. We were questioning that. I said, is it going to be a 10-point win, a 15-point win? You were like, higher, 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 higher. And, yeah, they demolished him. But he's he's 101 wins short on the actual total that's represented because they took him away. And then Tyler Lydon, if you remember, back when Bayheim's Army won the tournament, had the shirt and brought that conversation back up then, and, and here we are again. Give him the wins back. This is the dumbest thing ever. You want my, you're killing me, Smalls, my airing of the sports grievances, what's bugging me? You want a kerfuffle? It's with the NCAA. Why does he not have credit for those wins? It's ridiculous. It is. It's ridiculous. It's uh, You can't take those wins away. It's not like they didn't happen. And it's not like people didn't witness them happening. They, and he, yeah, you, you didn't take the losses away. Right. You, you didn't. No. But you, you just, you can't, you can't do that. They, they happened. They ha- they happen suspension he got suspension he got fined like what else do you you're gonna vacate wins you can't do that it's the dumbest punishment ever at some point they got to do the right thing they got to right the situation give him the wins back and you know he's gonna coach long enough with Coach K retiring at the end of this season that he's gonna break his record too yeah oh credit goes to the Heim it's the Bayheim show it really does it really is the Bayheim family it, it's mm-hmm. all about the Bayheims man. Uh, so we had that. We had Jimmy come out in his first game and just hit everything. Scored with the first eight points. What a way to debut and playing for your dad. After taking three years, Cornell, coming here as a grad transfer, getting it done with your brother. A couple of times I noticed, though, the team didn't get back on defense. Did you notice that, too? I did notice that. Did you notice that? Like, I noticed that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they, were, they, were, they were feeling the... Uh, Ah, we've got this in the bag. Come so. take a seat next to Jim. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt that way when... Got to play defense. Jean Bolajac was like, give me the ball, and then took the three. <laughs> However, the loudest pop of the night was when he actually hit the basket. It was good to see him. He airballed that. It wasn't even a bad airball. It was a terrible yeah. airball. Yeah. Uh, Jim basically said, uh, we'll get to some audio momentarily here. Yeah, that's not what he does. No. Yeah, use the backboard, I, I believe, was the, the famous quote. I think they brought that up a, li- a little bit earlier on uh, Orange Nation. Pretty funny. I think, we Glue Guy, we've talked about this before. Yes. Didn't we have an open that had this in it? We did. This piece, this gem. This is... Gem- uh, your Twitch is uh, on, by oh, the way. Hold on. Why does this happen every day and I don't touch anything? Can we call it user error? But I, I haven't touched it. I just opened it. I haven't touched anything else on the screen. It's just easier to blame you. That's weird. We get in the matrix. But this is Jim Beheim in practice dealing with John Bolajac and him not making a layup. I'm sure you've all heard it by now. Too slow, too slow. Pick it up. Use the backboard, please. So let's find out what went right and what went wrong. I think that's a couple of things that we could uh, take away from the post-game press conference after the first game of the season and the win against Lafayette. Here's Jim when he got started last night. We got off to a really good start, obviously, early. 
Jimmy got some gaps in their defense. They're, you know, they're going to play the shooters. Uh, so he's able to get in around the basket. Our defense was good. They're a team that, you know, scores a lot of points and can really shoot. I thought they really made us work defensively. Uh, you know, I think it was a good game in terms of working on our defense, getting our movement down. Jimmy got a good start. Joe got, you know, got open, got hot there. And, uh, you know, we make threes. It's hard to guard. But I think... Uh, yeah, think uh, we'll get to what didn't go well momentarily. Going Nostra, Davidson, Rain, Stradamus here on Exit 31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com, broadcasting from the Dunn Tire Studio. A little sound check to get us started. Some Jim Beheim, the Heim postgame right now. Um, do you agree with what he said, or would you like to hear what didn't go well before you respond, Spencer? No, I think there were a lot of positives to take about uh, out of last night. Of course, you know, it's the first game of the season. They, there are some things that they still need to work on. But overall, I was pleased with it, so I like hearing the, the, the positives first. I mean, one of the big things that we talked about in the in the preseason was their their lack of rebounding. They were plus 18 and last night. They were plus 18 last night, and they got eight offensive boards. So overall, I'm happy with that aspect of the game. They shot the lights out, so I ha- I like that. So, no, overall, I'm pretty pleased. Do you like to see Cole Swider put the ball on the deck and get in the lane a little bit? Absolutely. Talk about he could score from all three areas. Uh, talking about how he thinks he's the best shooter in the country. Also, he picked up 12 rebounds. I like to see that. Did you like how many assists that they had and how they share the ball, yet there's so many scoring options? How about all of that? Yeah, I mean, between Buddy and and, and Joe, I mean, Joe had seven, Buddy had six assists. I like them dishing the ball. Uh, It warmed my heart when you saw Buddy drive the lane and then kick out to Jimmy, who knocked down a three, just like they drew it up in the home gym. I love to see that. There's just – they. There's no way they don't know where the other one is on the court at every single second of the game. There was a lot of positives last night, but here's what didn't go well from the Heim. A lot of good things, things we can learn from. Frankie and Benny didn't get back a couple times, and they beat us down the court for layups. You know, that's something you have to learn. Uh, Cy, you know, had a rough night. He got to the basket. You know, he's going to make those. He just didn't make them tonight. Cole started poorly, but then he recovered and did what he can do. He can score. But, uh, you know, again, we had a really good first game. we got some things we can definitely work on. Passing's good. Uh, rebounding was okay tonight. Turnovers were good. Okay, even though it's plus 18, because you have to factor in it's Lafayette. Mm-hmm. It's the Patriot League. Things are going to change, and quickly, this is not a cream puff cupcake schedule in the early going as Jim has routinely been criticized for playing over the years. Um, Yeah, they didn't get back a couple times, and I'm like, that you don't want to see. But I will give you one more positive that was not addressed. Patty Casey at a three. Patty? Patty Casey at a three. The legend of Patty Casey continues. Very excited about that. You? Patty Cakes. Dude. I'm excited, man. When I saw him hit that, I immediately texted you last night, Rain. Yeah. I, I was I was so pumped because we knew we knew there was going to be a Patty moment, and it's I, that's literally what I said. He hit the three, and I went, "Dude!" Yep, <laughs> I just yep. I just blurted it out of my mouth. Yep. Exit thirty one ESPN Radio QSportsTalk.com. Let me line things up for everybody before we dig back into this conversation. Mario Sacco with News Channel Nine joins us at about two fifteen. Alex Sims from WSYR on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line at about 2.30 today. Uh, we're expecting Garrett Schrader, uh, QB1 for the Syracuse football team, to join us at 3 o'clock, uh, maybe just a couple minutes after 3 o'clock. 
Uh, we do not have Mark Larson today, which we normally do at 3.15 on Sportscaster Wednesday. He's feeling a little under the weather, uh, but he did text me a couple of comments from his mom about Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, that's right. Which, is, as you know, is a regular conversation that we have with him. We will not get a food from him today that I know of, and I'm sorry, he should be good to go next week. And then our boy Jacob Payne is going to join us to preview Louisville. Uh, and we're going to go beyond Malik Cunningham. We'll take a look at the Cardinals. And, of course, we need to avenge a 30 to nothing loss. That's clearly something that we'll bring up to Garrett Schrader. Even though he wasn't on the team, he's in the locker room. And there's a lot of guys that were. And you do not want to leave it like that with Louisville, especially if this is your final year in this program. That's for sure. All right, let's get back to the basketball game last night. Samir Torrance is another name I wanted to bring up. Didn't score, but I like some of the things I th- I saw from him. What was your impressions of Samir Torrance? No, I th- you know I, I I did I liked what he did too. You know he had he dished off four assists, had a, a trio of rebounds last night. Uh, you know the, the shooting is 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 doesn't really concern me because they have so many guys on this team who can shoot. If he's not putting up points every night, that doesn't really concern me. Uh, what I really want is his playmaking abilities, and I think you know he did a good job. Plus, plus he you know he had to be nervous. He's a Syracuse guy, you know, from Syracuse, grew up going to the Carrier Dome, you know, so, so did. Do so, you think that still lingers when it's the first official game of the season as opposed to the exhibition game? I think so. I think so. You saw, you know, kind of an anomaly with Jimmy, how he came out so hot. But remember, Jimmy also hit his first ever collegiate basket right in front of the Syracuse bench when he was playing for Cornell. So he's got the clutch. Team. Yeah, I was going to say he's not he's not worried about playing at the dome, but the mental toughness. Yeah. But, you know, a guy like you saw it with Swider, too. He was a little too amped up. At the beginning, you know, missing the, the first, uh, well, you went one for seven, I think, at the beginning. Well, one of the things Jim addressed is how much they miss the fans. And I mean, he had a 19,929 opening night crowd against Lafayette. You know, Otto's Army student section was in full force again. But on the subject, Samir Torrance, this is what Jim said after the game. He can push the ball up the court. He's a good defender. Um, this was, you know, as, as badly as he can play. Uh, you know, he missed an easy jumper. He missed two layups. He'll get he'll get there. He'll get into it. He's going to have opportunities to drive because they're going to be playing. Out. They're not going to leave the wing guys. So he's going to get opportunities to get in the lane and to make plays. And, you know, he's getting he's he'll get better at it. He'll get better at it. Yeah, it's new. You know, you forget, too, they're new to the system. They're learning the two three zone, as we all know. It's complicated. It's not a simple 2-3 zone. There's a lot of moving parts to it, and you've got to learn the nuance and the angles and everything else, and and they'll do all of that. That's for sure. Uh, But John Bulls 3, I got to hear the comment, and you need to hear the comment. It's pretty funny. Uh, This is just kind of classic Jim Boeheim. No, it's not really. He can't shoot, so I don't know why he would be shooting that three. He has never (laughs) taken one in practice that I can remember. He'll, He'll figure it out. He can make the short jump shot. He's a good player, good passer, good uh, ball movement guy. He's been working hard in practice. He's still, uh, he's not up to speed yet. He gets in the game and he's back lingering by the three point line. And I'm watching this and they pass to him. I'm like, there's nobody, nobody near him because nobody scouted John Bowler Jock to take a three. <laughs> you think he gets in the game, he's just kind of sitting there. He's like, you know, we're up by a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm Absolutely. Here. And I mean, he waited, he waved everybody away. And it wasn't even like Lafayette was really like, we're not going to like close out on him as a shooter. And then he's like, bleep it. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And he knew Jim was probably just burning a hole in the back of his head, looking at him going, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's going to do it. And he did it. And it was terrible. And that's exactly what you expected that shot to look like. Yeah. 
but he did it anyways, and he didn't care. And he probably won't do it again, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, I, I have to admit it was funny. It made me laugh. I'm like, oh, man, he's really going to shoot that. Yeah. It's like watching Ben Simmons take a three. Oh, just just painful. Painful. It, but it, it made for a fantastic moment. And it's going to be one of those moments that you remember. And how great was it when he actually hit the shot, though? That and, was fantastic. And the, the place went nuts. The place went absolutely nuts. I, I'm here for that every single time. The fans enjoyed it. Uh, here's more comments from Jim postgame. A little sound check your exit 31 ESPN radio and QSportsTalk.com. Hey, we matter to him. I thought the energy has been really, really good in there all for the football games. And, you know, it takes a while to get back into it for basketball. But, you know, I think... Uh, yeah, it's it's good to have fans back, and that's just so much more what it's all about. And it's, it was last year was hard, and I give as I've said many times, I give the credit uh, the players a tremendous amount of credit. So there you go. Oh man, uh, you know I, I just also laugh at the. This is the last thing I wanted to address in the game. Obviously, we'll talk about it more throughout today, but the fact that everybody thinks that Buddy and Jimmy don't get criticized. Did you see the piece Mike Waters, he, t- he talked to Jimmy and Buddy the other day. Uh, Buddy basically tells everybody, just say yes. Just just say yes to my dad. And, mm-hmm. and also trying to figure out, I can't call him dad when I'm on the court. I call him coach. I don't even know. I just try to get his attention. You don't even try to say his name. You just try to interject yourself in the conversation. But he does criticize his sons because they're just players to him when he's coaching. And I think they've done a pretty good job, well, first of all, answering the nepotism claims, because clearly they can both play. They have both contributed. Absolutely. They can play at this level, and they play at a high level. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. They're proving it. They don't have to say anything. They just just go out and play well. You shut everybody up, Spencer. Yeah, I mean, you know, when Buddy when Buddy first came to, to Syracuse a few years ago, he was cheered immediately because he was Jim Beheim's son. And he's and after spending all of his life watching the Syracuse Orange, he's now in a Syracuse Orange uniform. But one of the observations that I made that I had last night, I was thinking about it during the game, is when you watch Buddy play and he gets cheered, he gets a loud cheer when he's announced in the starting lineup or whatever, he gets that because he's earned that as a Syracuse Orange basketball player, not as Jim Beheim's son. He is a Syracuse University basketball player and is cheered because of his production on the court. And that's something that, you know, people at the beginning, you know, with the nepotism, they said the only reason why he's at this level is because his dad's the coach at Syracuse. Mm-mm, no, he's on, the, he's on the John Wooden preseason watch list. This guy is a legit basketball player, and everything that he does, he, he's making his own legacy in college basketball. The nation has noticed. College basketball fans have noticed other respected coaches have noticed. Yep. The point is, he's a good basketball player, and everybody knows it. Uh, Jimmy started well, messed up a couple plays. This is my last piece of audio here in soundcheck from the Hyman postgame last night over the win against Lafayette because it just kind of proves, because you hear a critique mm-hmm. of Jimmy, and think about how well he started. He played well overall. Well, he's always known how to play. That's never been a problem. So, you know, he understands the game. He knows where his spots are. Uh, tonight, you know, he had an exceptional start. You know, they just got the ball in the right places and uh, really uh, was really good. Uh, he screwed up on out-of-bounds plays a couple times, but, you know, he'll learn lessons. We can learn a lot of things from this game. Yeah, I mean, he criticized the things that he did wrong. He didn't have to say that. He could have addressed that behind closed doors, but he said it, yeah. and it's out there. And I'm not saying it was even a planned thing. He's not trying to prove that I criticized my sons, 
but he does. If they don't make the right play, he's going to tell them, and he's going to tell everybody else, and there you have it. We'll talk with Mario Sacco from News Channel 9. We'll do that next on Exit 31. It's ESPN Radio or QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Did I say that one on the air? I was bringing the chat. I'm talking to people in the chat up to the millisecond before the mics go hot again on Exit 31. Broadcasting for the Duntire Studio or QSportsTalk.com. As you know, there's a great chat going in there. Um, I do believe that you're going to get some crap from Mario, though, about your Jets, and I can't wait for it. I'm here for it. Uh, but we have to start with Mark Larson, who, by the way, Mario, I don't know if you realize uh, he's home. He's not feeling well. Uh, he's not going to be joining us today in his usual usual slot at 315. But I have an update on Aaron Rodgers from his mother. As you know, uh, originally, they're the Larson family from Wisconsin. Uh, and we're not going to get a food today. But he he basically bowed out of a final golf match, a final Gorilla or Exit 31 Open <laughs> yesterday or was it the day before mario welcome to the show hey guys uh it was yesterday i i tried to get him to play numerous times but uh he turned me down um you know it, it wasn't his home turf so we went to drumlins i actually uh got to play at drumlins east which was, was pretty nice but uh yeah so he he shut me down and i ended up playing really well so you couldn't continue the winning streak no, but uh, I, I went out on my own terms, I guess. Well, I was going to say, do, does, do you win it by forfeiture? I mean, I feel like that's. I feel like if he's not going to, if he's not going to come out there and play, then you automatically win by forfeiture. I figure he's scared of you. The, the worst was like hole three is like right next to the road, and I sunk like a I don't know. I was like just off the fringe putting uphill, and it went in so probably about a thirty-five foot birdie putt, and I just laughed because no one was there to see it. And I was like, does this even count? I literally FaceTimed Larson right after I did it and, and said, you're not going to believe what I did. So <laughs> I just needed some confirmation about my golf game. But, no, uh, yeah, I had a great great day. Uh, another nice course uh, to play in the area. So we have this thing called the kerfuffle uh, that we get to every day where, it, you know, who's got beef in the world of sports? It's, it's the Morris brothers and the Jokic brothers today. Pippen and Jordan, we're going to talk about that. Cassius Marsh. Versus the NFL, the Packers and, and Rodgers. Uh, something Jay Williams said we're going to talk about. But if we bring the kerfuffle in here right now with Mario Sacco, News Channel 9 on X31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. And I say Jets, Spencer Davidson, Mario, <laughs> have at it. I, I just, it's a, I mean, you, you put all this, this hype around one guy and he gets hurt by his what? But he hurt his pinky or jam his wrist or, or whatever. And, and you know, another guy comes in and throws for 300 yards. Uh, I did see he is getting the start this week in, in white. So um, <laughs> they, they took a picture of Jets camp today or practice, and, and there were still four quarterbacks, you know, on the field warming up. And it, it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I, feel, I feel bad for an organization that, invest all that money into a, into a first-string quarterback. You, you draft one, and you got a guy named Mike White from Western Kentucky uh, under center now. Mario, if you could – I wish we had a close-up of his face with the QSportsTalk.com cameras. You can kind of see it, but there's a glare from the windows. But he just <laughs> has this – like 10 thoughts 
He wants to say I, things that he can't say on the radio I, I, right now. Spencer, I think the Steelers quarterback position is awful right now as well, so I have no room to talk. Roethlisberger can't throw the ball more than 20 yards downfield, but uh, at least we're winning football games. It's like it's like a jack-in-the-box right now, and, I, and I'm kind of spinning the wheel slowly for you. You say you didn't make it any better with that comment. You made it worse because you basically said how even with a terrible quarterback, you're still winning, and we're not. And your response? Well, I'm just saying, I mean, Mike White, yeah, there, you know, it's the most Jets thing to happen where you celebrate that Mike White game win, and then he throws a nice touchdown pass on Thursday. It's a short week. You don't even get a full week to celebrate it. And then he throws a touchdown pass, and you're like, all right, yeah, maybe this will be a good game, too. Maybe and then we'll you see it. him on the sidelines, yeah. like, shaking his hand or not yep. being able to grimace throwing a football. And I was yeah, like, it's... you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I, I mean, Spencer, I grew up with the Jets and, you know, my favorite Martian, Curtis Barton and, you know, those guys. <laughs> and, you know, they were a formidable team you know, yeah. to go up against. And now uh, this, you know, hey, coaching turnover. And it starts under center. I mean, you can't find a quarterback to put under center. And that's been the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Look, I – I think Zach Wilson, and I almost called him Zach White. I almost pulled a rein and, and said the wrong last name. <laughs> Guilty. But Zach Wilson, I, I do think he is going to be a good quarterback. I think he's having difficulties adjusting to the speed of the NFL. And I think Mike White, having taken more reps over the years against NFL defenses, albeit in practice, I just think he's able to read it a little bit more at the speed that it's in. You know, I think, look, Mike White's going to continue his Pro Bowl, his Pro Bowl season coming up this weekend oh, on Sunday. Stop. And, uh, and you know, I think Robert Sala will end up winning uh, Coach of the Year because I think the Jets are going to turn the ship around. Mario, should I have the glue guy cut off his microphone yeah, with his nonsense? Stop his mic? I'm just saying, how do you build around the team? You, you, you have a, a good quarterback, but you got to have a good offensive line to protect them. And, you know, when you're sitting duck back there, um, you know, that tends to not be He's... in favor. Uh, of having success. He's trying to will this into reality. It's like he's gaslighting us. No, believe what yeah, I'm telling you about my Jets. Let's hoops or, or football, for that matter. Uh, enough Jets talk for one day. I'm down with that. Mario Sacco, News Channel 9, X to 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I'm glad you brought that up. Hey, man, 19,000 fans last night. John Bolajak makes a basket, airballs a three. The legend of Patty Casey continues when he made that three. Uh, we saw the Bayheim brothers get theirs, Cole Swider, and just so many positives in the season opener against Lafayette. Uh, what was the best part of the game for you? The way Joe Girard played. Uh, and uh, besides going five for five from three-point range, he, he is managing the game so much better. Uh, maybe, you know, one time he, he chucked it where, you know, he, he thought he was hot. But other than that, uh, I thought he managed the game well. So, obviously, Jimmy Beheim's story was, was pretty cool, scoring the first eight points. You know, Gerard finding him on a three-fourths of the court alley-oop, so to say, uh, early in the first half uh, was pretty neat to see. But um, how Gerard played in that basketball game really impressed me. Uh, the game came to him, didn't force anything, and, and – he understands that he's got weapons around him, guys. Like when when you can pass the ball to your left to a Cole Swider or, or Buddy Beheim on your other side, um, you, you got a lot of options uh, to go to. Um, you know, him coming off screens, hitting threes at the top of the arc uh, was fun to watch. Did you see enough defensively, or I should say, as far as rebounding? that when you get into the tougher part of this schedule, which we alluded to earlier, is, is coming quick this year, e even prior to officially getting into the ACC yeah. and conference season, 
Did, is, did they improve enough based on what you saw against, well, the cream puffs in the exhibition season that you're not as concerned moving forward? Uh, not yet. Uh, I still need to see a little bit more. I was impressed. Like, uh, what impressed me the most was the way that they attacked, if it wasn't the defensive glass, the way the guys attacked the offensive glass. Sure. The way Cole Swatter w- w- was getting to the offensive boards. Uh, Frank did a good job at times uh, getting to the offensive glass, creating second-chance opportunities. Um, defensively, yes, uh, it's going to be all season long. You know, they're going to talk about the teams are going to miss threes, and, and Syracuse is going to need to rebound them. And he touched on yesterday that he doesn't, you know, he didn't bring in Buddy Beheim and, and Joe Girard to rebound. Well, right. those long threes, those guys are going to have to rebound. And, and that's where you need them to pick up, you know, three, four rebounds a game and, and not give second chances to the UNCs, to the Indianas when they have to play Indiana or Georgetowns. Mario Sacco of News Channel 9 joining us on Exit 31, ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Mario, what also what about the, the ball movement from this team? I mean, they looked like the ball movement, you know, that was crisp. They looked like they had been playing together for much longer than just a few weeks here. 25 uh, assists team-wide. I mean, were you happy with just how the offense was moving around? Yeah, and, uh, and like I said, I think that, that starts with Joe and, and, you know, putting the ball in guys' hands and being unselfish and knowing that, you know, I don't have to. A lot of a lot of times in the years past, it was a lot of isolations. You know, give O'Shea the ball, see what he can do. Give Tyus the ball, see what he can do. Um, this year, this team can score in bunches, and you saw that last night. That you know, a, a three here, a three there, and all of a sudden it's a nine zero run or you know an eleven two run, and, and they got teams on their heels. They're very unselfish. Uh, they got guys that can score, and, and what's impressed me is the inside game of you know, Jimmy Beheim of, of how the touch that he has around the basket, um, you know, he can shoot with his right when he gets in the lane. Um, you know, he, he has many weapons and, and it's fun to watch here early on. I understand that they're playing Lafayette. Let's talk to this, you know, when they go to the Bahamas or, or when they face, you know, a better team uh, and they might get a game, good game on Sunday, you know, Drexel, albeit they put up a hundred against the division three school. Uh, you know, I think Drexel will give them a little better test. Uh, leading into the Colgate game and then obviously the Bahamas. I'm just going to make one quick statement. Uh, right now, at least for the next handful of games, the right move is to start Jimmy Beheim. by the way, over um, yeah, that it, freshman yeah, named Benny, Benny Williams. And, He's not quite and, ready to start yet. And, and that, the block Benny had that he sent uh, you know, halfway to Krauss Hospital was impressive coming across <laughs> and, and swatting the guy. But he, he's got learning curves. And, exactly. And I was there before the game, obviously, uh, you know, for News Channel 9, and, and Red was working with him constantly on, you know, one step, putting the ball, getting in the lane, and using his size to go up over people and shoot his jump, jump shot. And, you know, you see little flashes of brilliance from him that, that you saw. I just think Jimmy right now, his game is so, you know, mature, I guess is the word to use. Um is the reason he's in there. And you saw Benny played a lot of time in that basketball game. You know, he went to a lineup with it. Yes, he did. That Jimmy was on the floor with Benny. So, um, you know, uh, obviously it's a fluid situation. We're only one game into the start of the regular season. Excellent use of fluid situation, Mario. Listen, Mario, I got to take a break like two minutes ago, but I have to ask you one last thing. <laughs> Manning cast, curse, caught Josh Allen, didn't yeah. it? Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, a total lackluster performance all around. And they all season long, these teams talk about, you know, next man, next game. We only look at the next game. Well, I, I think Buffalo was 
looking ahead, peeking ahead a little bit uh, of things, and it snuck up and bit them. Uh, there's some big problems on that offensive line. They can't run the football, and, you know, Josh Allen hasn't been protected over these last couple of games, and it's led to a couple of losses. Thank you so much, Mario. We appreciate you, my man. He's with News Channel 9. Joins us about 2.15 every Sportscaster Wednesday. It's X31. We're on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We'll be joined by Alex Sims next. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Alex Sims. What did she say to us off the air, Spencer? She loves being on. She, uh, the best guest we have today, right? Most important. Most important. Most important. Most important. VIP. You following Mario Sacco. I know it's not a great lead in, but we love you, Mario. (laughs) He knows we're kidding. Uh, But the fact (laughs) remains, uh, he actually went out and golfed yesterday and Mark Larson didn't. And then he came up with some excuse that his girlfriend was in town or he was hanging out with her. And then they kind of had this Twitter kerfuffle. They were going back at it. It, w- it was funny, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. We were laughing at it after we got off of the air. What was happening even before and during uh, Exit 31 right here on ESPN Radio. So it's, we it's were funny. One- it's funny how he, it, I was going to say, it's funny how he said he, he birdied a hole, yet no one was around to witness it. So do we believe this or? <laughs> you know what? I got. I do have to give him the benefit of the doubt here because I actually have, I, I am not a great golf player by any means but I did sink an awesome putt once that like it was like a sloped green and I had to go like way to the left of the hole and it kind of rolled back and and nobody was around to see it so I feel his pain because that was like the single greatest golf moment of my life and I I don't have anybody to to vouch for me I have a very good (laughs) feeling at some point during the next 10 minutes that we're talking to you Alex uh, I will get a text from him um, if there is anything else that you would like to say uh, to Mario, you feel free now. The floor is yours. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I mean, we have yet to play golf together, but. Well, they're afraid of you. When, when well, yeah, they're afraid of me, one. And, and, and two, um, you know, if the, if the opportunity presents itself, I, of course, would love to, to beat Mark and Mario <laughs> any day of the week. Uh, you guys have seen my swing. We have. I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty good. And confident. You've got the Cole Swider swag, which is a great way for us to to lead right in and transition into (laughs) what you saw on Jim Beheim court last night in front of 19,000 fans, which, by the way, that might be the best part of the game. There were fans in the stands. It was so weird last year. It was cool to see. I mean, I personally missed seeing fans in there. Um, we cover games last year inside the Dome, and it was just weird. It, 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 Buddy explained it perfectly. It, it just felt like exhibition game after exhibition game, and it just didn't seem, you know, real last year. And to be able to see fans again, it was just so nice. So who are you most impressed with? I mean, we've basically gone through the roster and everybody who saw the core. Mm-hmm. We, we started even with Jean Bolajac hitting a basket and airballing the three. We were hyped for Patty Casey because we're I've, – I've been starting this – whole thing with Patty Casey, the legend of Patty Casey. I feel like he's going to get in a game at some point and make a crucial shot that's going to help them win. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he's going to go down as a legend to Syracuse basketball. You know, what else? You know, there were a lot of things that stood out to me. One, Joe Girard. Uh, he was the Joe Girard we all wanted to see last year, all of last year. Um, you know, he coming out of high school, he was known as a shooter. And um, we saw... What he can be, what he can be as a player last 
last night. Um, you know, he scored a, a team high 20 points. He was five for five shooting from three point range. He was aggressive offensively. Um, you know, he was definitely, I think uh, there was a lot of talk about him last year, not being the Joe that we had been hoping for. And I think, I know it was just Lafayette, which I'm not discrediting them by any means, but um, to be able to see what Joe was capable of doing last night is really, really a cool thing. Um, also, Jimmy debut last night didn't disappoint. I mean, he had 18 points. His, his brother Buddy had 18. Jimmy was two from three from behind the arc. He really did everything right last night. Um, I think Cuse as a whole, they won the rebounding battle. Um, I think a lot of last year there was uh, there was issues with uh, the big guys in the backcourt that really hurt them last year. But I mean, from yesterday, uh, prime example: Swider had 12 boards, Jimmy and Benny had three, um, and then also just as a team offensively, there's so many offensive weapons. And I know we talked about this a lot last week. Um, five players scored in double figures, guys. I mean, that's a really, really, really. Um, that, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, to be able to have so many guys that can shoot the ball, um, so many guys that can take it inside, so many guys that can shoot from the outside. Um, I just think that this team has a lot of potential this year, and I know they were projected to, to finish sixth in the ACC, but I think they're a, a team to be reckoned with. I really do. I mean, especially if they continue to shoot the way they shoot and um, if the big guys were able to, you know, do what they need to do, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. Now, we, you know, you spoke about the fact that each each of the starters actually had uh, double digits points, but at the same time, there were 25 team assists. So with so many guys yeah. who are able to shoot the ball, does it give you a lot of optimism about this offense that there's some unselfishness there? Guys are finding their teammates. It's not just everybody trying to isolate or everybody trying to do it themselves. I mean, it seems like kind of everybody's going to get theirs. Yeah, and also, too, I think with um, so many offensive weapons, it really um, takes all eyes off of Buddy Beheim, And I think um, it will be interesting to see how, I mean, not to say that his game isn't awesome already, but maybe to, like, let him just kind of play, you know? Because I feel like last year he was the shooter for this team, right? I mean, Joe was very inconsistent. Um, Buddy was the go-to guy. This year, there's so many offensive weapons that I think that, you know, it will really allow for Buddy and Cole and Jimmy and Joe to just play ball and just kind of enjoy it. And, and not everyone's double teaming on Buddy all the time. I think it's going to be really fun to see all those guys work together. You know, you got guys that want to be here too, as opposed to Alan Griffin, who seemed to be kind of checked in and checked out at different points in the year. The talent was there, but sometimes what was going on upstairs, I'm not sure that he ever 100% bought in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he got out quick. And Quincy, it just didn't work for Quincy. But I feel like we're net positive with the between the additions and subtractions to this roster heading into this year. Maybe it's just me. No, I agree. And I also think, like, can we just talk about Jimmy for a second? Because everyone would always say, oh, there's a reason why Jimmy played at Cornell. But, I mean, come on, guys. I mean, he is a shooter. I mean, like, he he was just on fire at the start of the game. He had 18 points in his Syracuse debut. I mean, you, you, you got to give him credit. I mean, he, the guy can, can play. Um, and I don't think many people expected this out of him. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, when, you know, conference play comes around, how he continues to play. But um, 
you know, I, I, he's a player. He's a player. I mean, I think it, this team is really exciting to watch, and I'm looking forward to covering them all season. Uh, we have a football conversation, Syracuse and Louisville, on the way with Garrett Schrader at the top of the hour, Jacob Payne at 3.30, and hour number two of Exit 31 at TSPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com as we continue our conversation on Sportscaster Wednesday with Alex Sims at WSYR. So uh, we were going to ask you a couple of football questions, but we only got a minute or two left. So I actually wanted to switch to the NFL really quick, if we could. And I'm not going to take I'm not going to take on your Jets or yeah, anything like that. No. But Buffalo, I've already had enough of that today. But Buffalo, Buffalo. and as, as Josh, okay. as, as Glue Guy pointed out to me, Josh Allen, the quarterback, not Josh Allen, the defensive end for Jacksonville. <laughs> but man, right. the Manning cast curse. Josh Allen goes on there. Every player that goes on there that is active in the NFL has lost the next week, and it happened to the Bills. It's got to be the only way to explain that horrible loss to Jacksonville. We've been lamenting this for three days. You know, yes. I'm going to go with you and say yes on that. But also, you saw the offensive struggles continued. In, I mean, you saw it early on in um, the first half when they played against the Dolphins, and I felt like it was deja vu all over again this past Sunday. I mean, the offensive struggles have been horrible. I mean, they really haven't been able to find a rhythm, and I think um, there's a lot of reasons that go into that. I mean, Josh Allen needs more help than he's getting. It's as simple as that. The running game is non-existent. True. Um, prime, prime example, Singletary and Moss, they combined for 22 yards on nine carries. The Bills ran seven times on first down and gained only 10 yards. But that also has a lot to do with the offensive line. It's a complete disaster. And then, um, I mean, not only that, but you want to take Stephon Diggs, right? He, he, if you guys can remember, he was the best receiver in the NFL last season, and he really hasn't gotten a great opportunity at all um, this year. I mean, I think they need to really try to work him in more to the offense. I mean, it's just it's all around the team is just struggling, and it's just hard to kind of figure out what needs to be done to fix these things um, as, as the season goes on. I mean, we're already, you know, midway through and the Patriots are creeping up in the standings. <laughs> Knew that was coming. I, had to, I had to add that in there. <laughs> Way to point that out. Listen, if you're Bill's mafia, can you deal with that sucker? Alex Sims just told you the state of your team. And that was spot on. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week about two thirty. Thank you as always for the time, Alex. We appreciate it. Thank you. I love being on, guys. You're Killing Me Smalls is coming up next on Exit 31. It's ESPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com. Hang tight. Exit 31. We're going with the boy, boy, go. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> if I didn't pronounce it right, tap in with me and, and let me know how to do it the right way, big dog. Straight up. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You are killing me, Smalls. We're talking about something that is bothering us in the sports world today, airing of our grievances, if you will. And uh, well, I just want to—I just want to address one very quickly. I know it, you got it's one. It's not that big of a deal, but it, it just annoyed me. You know, the other day the Golden State Warriors wore their new—I don't even—I don't know what it's—I don't know. It's not like the city edition. I'm not sure what kind of uniforms they are, but it's an alternate uniform. And if you've seen these jerseys, you. What? Wait, you looked at him, and this is what you thought. Yeah, you're you, killing me, Smalls. Right? Exactly. Okay. If you've seen these jerseys, you know what I mean. I mean, it is a complete ripoff of the text for the New York Rangers jerseys, and it just looks weird. 
on a basketball uniform. Do you like the Knicks uniforms this year? Last year, I thought they were trash. Yeah, I, yeah, I love the Knicks uniforms this year. The the vintage, you know, old school one with just like the, the the like the thin blue lettering. You know, it's not that. killing me, Smalls. Overall, mm. the Knicks this year. Yeah, I'm a bit frustrated. At yeah, a couple they, points. Str- they struggled for a couple of games here, but they righted the ship a little bit. Okay, they didn't have Joel Embiid the other day for the 76ers. Oh well, the Knicks played a good team game that night. Um, so I'm not really worried about them, even though they had a you know a difficult stretch of but about those three games. Terrible Warriors jerseys. Yeah, those terrible Warriors jerseys. I mean, it is just a complete ripoff of the New York Rangers text. And I, it's not, I don't get it. Like it's not like the Golden State Warriors ever had jerseys that looked like that. It's not like they're vintage. What about the ones with the Golden Gate Bridge across the front? I kind of like. those. Yeah, I kind of like those. Should they go with that? Yeah, as a, yeah, as opposed to the Rangers jerseys. Have you reached out to design their jerseys for them? Uh, no, I filed a grievance uh, to the uh, office of the commissioner. Adam Silver and I are going to be talking over coffee next week. Okay, well, let me know how that goes for you. Yeah. Spencer, also uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah. Here's my airing of the sports grievances, my sports festivus, what made me roll my eyes. I read this quote today, okay, as it pertains to Major League Baseball and the CBA negotiations because the target date is an owner lockout of December 2nd. Think about that. That's not even a month yeah, away. That's 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 creeping up. You're a Yankees fan, a Red Sox fan, whatever. No business can be taken care of with a lockout. Yeah, it means we don't know what free agents go to what teams. If you're a Yankees fan, I'll use my bias. The fact is, am I going to get Correa? Am I going to get Seager? Who's going to be my shortstop? Yep. What are we going to do in center field? Are you going to sign another pitcher? Who are you going to trade? Who are you not going to trade? Are you going to do something about Sanchez? A lot of questions, right? Apply that to your team. None of that can happen. And here's the quote that set me off. It will be, as far as these negotiations, two and a half months of pain. Mm. That's how it was described. Didn't I just bring this up yesterday, or maybe it was Monday, but in the past couple of days, right here on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com, I said that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is bad. Yeah, very And I bad. have no faith in... Major League Baseball, and specifically with Manfred, because MLB, just every time something good happens, two or three negative things are happening within the game itself. It's it's one step forward. It feels like three steps back every time. They just they don't have any equity built up. They have no credit built up. Nothing that makes me go, yeah, you're going to handle this properly, and you're going to, in good faith, get through this Because it's better for the game. Right. What a terrible time with all of the other issues Major League Baseball has to have a stoppage or a strike of any kind. It's bad. And when I read that, that does not make me... I don't think two and a half months is a good estimate. It could be worse. It could be longer than that. That's what I see. If it's going to be that bad to negotiate to get through to spring trading and hopefully have it done in time, by the middle of February, are they going to be good to go? No. I don't have faith that they do. No, I think they, I think you're going to start the season late again, if that's the case. Only this time it won't be because of the pandemic. Ugh. I mean, it, it would be an absolute nightmare it's for bad. MLB. I, you know, I said this yesterday here on the air. Um, the fact that it's it's after having a shortened season for the for COVID, uh, not having a, you know a full 162-game season – you know, the interest in baseball among the younger generation is already kind of waning. This would be an absolute nightmare to not have Major League Baseball starting, you know, with spring training at the beginning of March and the regular season at the beginning of April, uh, end of March, beginning of April. It would be a nightmare. It would be horrible because 
you're not going to get some casual fans back. Baseball has not done enough to appeal to a casual fan, get them watching more. And so you're gonna you're gonna say you're not gonna you're gonna have no product to put out there for months Can't during do the season. Anything. Can't do anything. Nothing. There's gonna be no interest there. I mean, at least at least when you know when the pandemic was happening. I mean, nobody was able to do anything at all. So and 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 the MLB was navigating, trying to figure out when are we gonna start. There was still news coming out. We're gonna try for this. We're gonna do this. The World Series is gonna look like this. But if you have nothing able to happen there's no conversation around major league baseball it's no there's no trade rumors there's no rumored free agent signings there's nothing other than negative 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 day after day no progress no progress no progress no progress and you know what people find other things to do that's what i'm saying i mean it's you know especially once you get into the summer you're not playing i mean people are going to go outside they're going to do their thing you know they're not going to have baseball games on they're not going to worry about baseball games coming back we got to take a break right there. Garrett Schrader, QB1 of Syracuse football, will join us next. I will ask again if he's worked on anything uh, for beard care uh, as far as name image <laughs> likeness is concerned. We'll address the nickname of Grizzly Adams. And, yes, we'll talk to Garrett Schrader next on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Time to welcome in the starting quarterback for Syracuse men's football. I had to specify that. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, they got a ladies team, too. That'd be awesome. It's not a lot of ladies playing football. That'd be awesome. Garrett, how are you today? Thanks for taking some time to join us after the bye week. Uh, how are you feeling physically? It's got to be nice to let some of the bumps and bruises heal up a little bit. Absolutely, man. We've been getting after it hard this week, though. I mean, because we're a little bit ahead and uh, we put the pads on Sunday, so... You know, we're uh, we're getting a little sore now, but we'll it'll lighten up as we go to the back half of this week. What do you do outside of, say, what the training staff and the medical staff tells you to do to take care of your body, especially late in the season with a bye week, a little bit later than maybe you'd prefer? Then again, I don't know, maybe you like it at this point or this juncture of the season, but what are some things that you have done throughout your career to take care of your body? Because you're obviously a mobile quarterback and you're going to take more hits running the ball as much as you do than, than your average quarterback. I mean, we do a lot with that stuff, but at this point, probably the biggest thing for, I know, almost everybody around the country is trying to keep up their body weight and not lose any more weight. So I've kind of, I've switched my diet a little bit towards this back half. I stopped eating, focusing on uh, eating real healthy and more trying to like uh, me and my roommates, we 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 dog this big apple pie this this week, and we uh, mm-hmm. I've been trying to just eat anything, a bunch of fry. I mean, if I ate how I did yesterday for the rest of my life, I'd probably be dead in twenty years. But packing <laughs> <laughs> pack, pack, on the calories and trying to trying to get, keep our weight up as high as we can going into a as we the season drags on. Man, I wish that I could eat like that and be fine and be able to play a football game later in the week. I try but, to keep weight off, not yeah, put it on. I was gonna say I can't keep weight <laughs> off, but. Uh, so one of the things that has been kind of the talk a, a little bit lately is Dino Babers referred to you as Grizzly Adams. First of all, do you do you know the reference? And second of all, what do you think of that comparison? I do, and I, uh, I greatly appreciate it because it's not the uh, the other two generic. The other ones were getting old. I got a lot of Tom Hanks Castaway. That's the number <laughs> one, and then uh, the second one is um, um, Forrest Gump. When one old boy's running. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you so, uh, 
Garrett, you take like, like it, yours isn't as unkempt as theirs. Yours isn't as wild as theirs. I'd asked you last week if you're looking at some beard care product for name, image, likeness, make yourself a few bucks. I'm going to keep asking you that until we get you a deal with something. Uh, that's pretty funny, though. I would definitely, I would go Grizzly Adams. We've got to find a better beard reference for him. I, I Grizzly Adams is pretty good, man. I mean, when you know, I, Grizzly Adams has an iconic beard, so I feel like that that is that's a major compliment. Garrett, what do you what do you do when you hear him? You know, reference yourself as Grizzly Adams or Damien as Bambi, or he throws the nicknames in the movie quotes out there. Do you guys get them all, or just sometimes you have to explain them? Uh, sometimes we try to justify them. Sometimes we're just like, "Are you kidding?" Like. Give me something better than that, but I mean, <laughs> I think it's pretty. It's, it's pretty funny. We try to go with it. Yeah, for sure. Gary Trader's with us. It's Exit Thirty One ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I'm, I'm glad we were able to have a laugh and bring up Dino in a lighthearted sense. But, but I want to ask you a question. You've been asked a million times, but I, I want a fresh answer on this uh, with where we are in the season. Why Cuse? Why Dino Babers? What is it about Dino? You know, when you entered the transfer portal, that won you over, and now you're here. I think the biggest thing was just they recruited me hard, showed a lot of interest. That's all. I mean, there's a great opportunity for me to, to come play here. And, uh, you know, Coach Baver is a really fiery coach, very passionate and uh, really enthusiastic. So uh, kind of all those factors combined with the opportunity to be really explosive. Uh, and, the, I mean, I, I saw the potential in last year when I reflected. I mean, all the, hell, all the pieces were here. So I uh, just kind of. Being able to put that together, and uh, you know, there's a great group of guys, but um, that's that's probably the biggest thing. I just seeing the potential and knowing what what we we're capable of is the biggest thing, and um, that, that's that's why I chose to come up here. Garrett Schrader, QB one for the Syracuse Orange football team, joining us on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Uh, Garrett, a little bit earlier, you mentioned how you guys were really getting after it this week at practice, and you guys are getting a little sore. Uh, I mean, how has practice looked, though? Because, you know, do you find that maybe you got to knock a little rust off? You guys had momentum going into the bye week. Do you feel like you, you've missed some time here, or do you, feel, do you truly feel refreshed and ready to go? No, I, I mean, some things are going to drag on, but I feel, I feel like it, was, it came at the right time, you know. It was um, it was good to be on the other side, seeing seeing the team you're playing against, kind of have a have a rough stretch playing conference teams. And um, I mean, for the most part, we feel healthy, but uh, we, we're we're happy where we're at. We're we're a lot farther ahead in a week, and uh, I mean, it all kind of happens fast. But um, I mean, we are full pad sun starting Sunday, so uh, the, the the best thing is that we are we're, we're we feel like we're ahead of schedule, and uh, I mean. There was definitely a little bit of rust, but as, as the week goes on, we're sharpening things up and figuring out what we like and we don't like, and um, we're confident with our game plan going into this weekend, though. It's a tough year for Syracuse football last year. The one win, uh, specifically against Louisville, a 30 to nothing loss. You clearly were not a part of that team, but a lot of guys were. You got your guys back. You want to get back in there, and you want to avenge that loss. There's got to be a little motivation because thirty to nothing does not look good. No, absolutely not. I mean, um, there's a lot of things that go into last year, especially as the season drug on. But uh, you know, I, I like we're at we're at a good spot right now. We got a lot of momentum coming off uh, two back-to-back conference wins, and uh, you know we're doing all the right things. We're, we're we're keeping our heads down and working, and trying to stay healthy and make sure that uh, we know it's going to be a dogfight this weekend, and it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna it's going to be a close game. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And uh, we, we feel like there's going to be some points scored, but um, it's going to be a great challenge. And they do a lot of good things over there. they got some talented players. So it'll be good as we um, – it'll be a fun game to watch. 
the loss of Carlos Veterello and Trevor, and you know what, the status of Chris Elmore, a few key guys on this team that next man up has to be a thing heading into this Louisville game. How are you guys addressing the loss of those players? Those guys are all, all, all of those names are very, they're very important guys to, to our offense and to our team. But um, we, we expect to hopefully see, uh, hope to see uh, Rhino back here, here shortly. But um, I mean, as things is just like you said, next man up, we got to have there's got to be a little little fall off, and the the guys are getting the job done. And but we have a lot of faith in the guys stepping in, and we just got to keep working and playing hard. And that, that if we do that, that'll give us a chance to win. A lot of the fans right now are kind of looking at the okay, get to six wins, get to bowl eligibility. Obviously, you know, as a player, you want to go in and win every game, but how much of that getting to that sixth win, getting bowl eligibility is on your mind at this point, or is that something that you really totally put out of your mind and it's just play the game? No, I think there's a lot of emphasis on, the, especially this week, uh, we look at that sixth number, but this week, the biggest thing is going one another this week. So we know if we do that, it'll accomplish kind of both of those goals and then we'll worry about the, the rest of the games later, but uh Louisville's on our mind, and that, that's our, that's what our um, our sights are set on, and we, uh, we we fully expect to go in there and uh, come out with the W. We're talking to Garrett Trader, QB one of Syracuse football here on Exit Thirty One ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Now you're taking a look and you're scouting Louisville. Uh, CJ Avery is a name, their middle linebacker that jumped out to me, somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, who else are you going to be focusing on when you're making your reads and, and you're getting through? you know, the RPOs on the field, trying to decide what to do. Uh, who have you looked at that um, Syracuse fans should key on? they got a lot of guys that are kind of interchangeable and fluid. Their defenses, I mean, they run an Oaks defense, kind of similar to ours, a lot of moving ports, a lot of different things they can do. But uh, I think the biggest thing is just keying key their safeties and the uh, just their overhangs, being able to read you know, just read their defense out. But, um, I mean, they do a lot of good things, got a lot of moving parts. But, um, I mean, I like our plan. It's built in so so we can have success. So that's a, that's our plan going into this week and uh, just making sure we're on the right calls and going out and playing hard and fast. Garrett, uh, we actually have a question in the QSportsTalk.com chat, and people want to know just how do you feel the, the passing game element of your game is coming along? Obviously, we saw a couple of games ago you were able to get it done late with the arm. Just how do you feel like that side of your game is developing as time goes on here? I feel like we got it right now. We just we're not we're not necessarily doing everything that we uh, we have the potential to, and uh, we're more focused on winning right now than um, trying to be as explosive as possible. But um, I mean, that, there's a lot of we got all the pieces we need for the future going into next year uh, to absolutely have a more balanced offense. But, um, I mean, as, as we could finish out this year, especially this week, we want to, we just, we're going to do what it takes to win. And uh, whether that's in the air, I mean, we could, we could do it in the air right now, if you, you've seen, but um, I mean, all that stuff will develop and come another year in the offense. But as of right now, I mean, we have, we have the ability to do it both um, in the air and on the ground, but we just, we're focused, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. And, um, with our plan, we feel like we're able to do that. Uh, you know, I, I just feel good, and you're very relaxed in your answers. I don't sense any anxiety about this. It's just let's get through these next few days, focus, kick off, noon, get out there, beat Louisville, get to that six win, bowl eligibility is there, everything else takes care of itself, right? So our final question for you today, Garrett. Uh, by the way, everybody listening, Garrett Schrader, about 3.05 for the next couple of Wednesdays after today on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com, which is where I'm going to go back to the chat. Uh, Matt and Manlius wants to know, 
what is your favorite food and your favorite place to get takeout here in Q since you've gotten here? Well, that's a, that was a curveball. Yeah, there you <laughs> oh, go. I got one hard, more for you. Hard-hitting questions, man. I mean, I'm a comfort food guy. So, I mean, steak, mashed potatoes, or fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, green, all that stuff, coleslaw. And that's my go-to, but takeout, as far as takeout goes. And pie. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm a big Tully's guy um, as of right now, but uh, just basic Chipotle probably. I mean, that's, that's easy, fast. Well, I can't get you uh, any beard care products for name, image, likeness, but you might have had a couple of right there that you just name dropped. That's very funny. Uh, what was the, There was one more. Somebody wanted to know if you make a bowl game and win it, will you shave the beard? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't put a timeline. I know I used to shave every New Year's clean shave, cut my hair and my beard, but I think I might have to keep it for the winter up here because it, it would come in handy. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably had to buy a couple of coats uh, when you decided to transfer up here to the Northeast, that's for sure. Uh, thanks for taking the legitimate questions. Thanks for taking our chat questions, uh, and, and thanks for doing a kick-butt job. I can't swear on the radio so far. <laughs> we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thank you, Garrett. Appreciate you in the time. Sounds good. Thank you all. That's Garrett Schrader, QB1 of Syracuse Football, X31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Our kerfuffles next. Who's got Twitter beef? Bulletin board material. We've got another Donnybrook, an athletic brouhaha. Let's go toe-to-toe. It's the Exit 31 kerfuffle. Ah, a classic conundrum. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We say Syracuse a lot because it's QSportsTalk.com and we talk about Syracuse University Athletics quite a bit. We say kerfuffle a lot when we give you a segment called The Kerfuffle, which is uh, people out there in the world of sports that have some beef. There's a little tension between them, and that's the gist of it. Morris versus Jokic. A one-game suspension? That's what came out of that Mm. for the reigning MVP? You know what? Markeith was wrong in what he did. Yeah. It it was a flagrant foul. It wasn't necessary. There was no need for it. But when you retaliate, of course, you pay the consequence. They were both wrong. Both of them. They were both wrong. I I don't agree with blasting him the way that you did because, listen, that's a big man hitting you from behind. And I don't care how big Markeith Morris is. That doesn't feel good. But, But it got interesting because then Twitter got involved. The Jokic brothers, his brothers created a Twitter account just to troll Markeith, and Marcus Morris jumped in before Markeith actually did. So it's like a WWE match now, and and they're going back and forth. They they both needed to pay a consequence, though. It's on video. I don't know if you realize this. There's video of this. So you don't just get suspended the game for the retaliation Something's got to happen to Markeith Morris because he was the instigator in this. Right. He started it. Right. It wasn't a common foul. He blasted him. Then he threw the elbow up in there in his rib cage afterwards. And he came at him, not with a full head of steam, but he was moving pretty good. So I'm sure that Jokic felt that. Yeah. I mean, it, just both sides of it are totally unnecessary. And to be honest, I'm surprised that Jokic only got one game. I really am. I'm surprised. You know, what message does that really send from the league? One game? I mean, one game? 
you know, I, I, like this is this is a Denver Nuggets team that's going to be you know contending in the West. Are they going to go ahead? No, no, no. It, I'm just saying, like, it, it's not like they're a bubble team on the on the edge of the playoffs, and one game is going to make that much of a difference. I hate how selective they are. Yeah, it feels like certain players. The, the punishment isn't as severe as it should be, and they go all in on others when the transgression didn't necessarily warrant that. And it's not just in the NBA because the Packers are fined $300,000 for the COVID violations. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Alan Lazard each fined $14,000. That's pocket change to them. Yeah, That's not a consequence for your action. It's not about whether you should take or not take the vaccine. It's about the fact that he lied to the company that employs him, the National Football League, well, via the Green Bay Packers, and they have a mandate in place on how you handle whether you are vaccinated or not, and he lied about it. Yeah. And that's why he's in trouble. Once again, I'll state that unequivocally. That's the issue we're debating here. And and the fact of the matter is, based on that, that's nothing. And that tells every other team, eh, do what you want. The yeah. Consequences aren't that severe. No big deal. Until yeah. we have a massive outbreak and it costs somebody a game and there's a forfeiture. You know what? You don't care if it's not your team. What if it is your team? Right. Then you're going to care. Then you're suddenly going to care. Well, it's. I mean, it kind of just echoes everything that's been going on through this pandemic that you, you see people like, unless it directly affects them, they don't care. They don't believe it. You know, how many people have, have, have tried to say, eh, this is all this is all BS. What are you going to do with Carrenti, yeah. the referee, and Cassius Marsh? Yeah. He hip-checked him. Oh, that was obvious. Granted, a little old feeble man and a big, strong football player, but he did. He threw the hip at him. Yeah. Is he going to pay a consequence for no, that? No, he's not. And I'm actually, I've been looking it up because I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't seen that Marsh has gotten a fine yet for his comments afterwards for saying that the ref hip-checked him. I, I'm surprised about that. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a fine for that, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, it, it's just not consistent. It, it's just it's so inconsistent. And again, you you know you mentioned this with the, with the NBA stuff. I the, it's not like you miss these things anymore. Everything is on camera. Everything is documented on video. You can see everything. How do you not? I mean, a, a referee instigated contact, initiated contact with a player. The governing bodies with these leagues or whatever, it's just not uniform. And it needs to be. If this is the rule, this is the consequence. Period. Point yeah. blank. No other circumstances matter. Correct. It's the way it should be. NCAA screws things up all the time. One in our backyard, Chris Bleich. Everybody else, hey, you get a pass because of COVID, except for you, Chris Bleich. Yeah, that, yeah. What? What is going on here? No, and what we uh, mentioned earlier with Jim Beheim's vacated loss is just ridiculous. Pick the sport. That there's just the way they officiate these games, the way they dole out punishments. It's just dumbfounding from time to time. And you're like, what is going on? Who is making these decisions? Why is it one way for this? And... How they rank what would be considered a more egregious offense than another also doesn't always logically make sense to me. No. But here we go, and then we debate this kind of stuff. Uh, there was one more that I wanted to bring up in our kerfuffle here on X31 on ESPN Radio with QSportsTalk.com. I'm Rain Spencer. Davidson's in here. It's this Pippen and Jordan kerfuffle. Scotty Pippen's got to shut up. He's got to. Do you realize he is a trending topic 
for what is it, three or four days in a row mm-hmm. because his book is coming out. Yeah. He would we would not be talking about Scottie Pippen without this book. And and I swear he's embellishing. Maybe there's some truth to it, but it just seems like sour grapes and he's embellishing. And every day we get another quote put out there. It's that red meat. We chew on it. He wins. We're talking about it. He'll sell more books. But the bottom line is Scotty was great. He was. He was a top 75 player all time. But you weren't no Michael Jordan, buddy. No. You weren't. You didn't win without him. Shut up. You know what? Shut up. It's that simple. You go. I mean, it's. I just don't understand how you're taking shots at Michael Jordan. This was a guy that, you know, you, you, you created your legacy with. This is a guy that you won championships with. He's supposed to be like a brother to you. I don't understand how all of a sudden you you have this animosity towards him. I mean, I get I get it, Scotty. I get it. You have the Robin versus Batman conflict. You were the Robin to his Batman, and, and you are sour about it still because you can't mention Scotty Pippen without mentioning well, Michael Jordan. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Yeah. Know your role and shut your mouth. You want to know why? Because the rocks. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. That was, that's, that's a good reference, though. But it's it's just irritating. Like, shut up. Who cares? Uh, you didn't win anything without Michael Jordan. Wouldn't have won anything without Michael you Jordan. You wouldn't have won anything without Michael Jordan. You, yes, you were the number two option, but guess what? There's nothing wrong with being number two on a team that was an absolute dynasty because you're one of the top 75 NBA players of all time as well. Hey, look, you have six rings. In, in Six rings. How many of them were, were without Michael Jordan? None. So then shut up about Michael Jordan. Not one. I just don't. You're not interesting enough to sell books on your own that you have to drag Michael into this. You're never going to win that battle, Scottie Pippen. You're never going to win that battle. Let me just throw one thing from the QSportsTalk.com chat here. uh, C.D. Lamb find more for having his shirt untucked than Aaron Rodgers was for violating an entire season worth of COVID protocol to show you how the scales of justice, so to speak, are not balanced. I think we got to take a break right there. Let's do that because you know what? We can move on, get back into this conversation that we started with Garrett Schrader a few minutes ago. We'll continue it with Jacob Payne. We'll give you a little bit more of a preview of Syracuse football against Louisville on Saturday at noon right here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. It is time for No Pain, No Gain. And we are gaining an awful lot here with Jacob Payne. And did you say Rogaine? I did not say Rogaine. No pain, no gain, Rogaine. No, okay. I, I think that's just are those. That's just your subconscious talking there, Rain. Twenty yard gain, thirty yard gain, <laughs> forty yard gain. Taking it to the house, Sean Tucker, Garrett Schrader. Let's go. Let's beat Louisville. Sorry. No, you're good. But uh, your father, Papa Payne, has what Rain is calling his own version of the Sean Tucker tweets that we look forward to every Wednesday. Uh, do you, does he consult you? Does he consult you on on what to what to talk about in his in his tweets, or is this just totally Papa Payne's doing? No, I don't think he's consulted me on any decision ever. Uh, but <laughs> what, what this is is he go he goes ahead and he fires it out, and you know he's pretty pleased with himself. So what he does is he copies it and pastes it and then sends it in an email to me, so we know <laughs> so I know what is being said. Just so you know, this is how I'm setting the tone for your interview. So, so good luck, son. So you preview the Papa Payne comment in the QSportsTalk.com chat. 
That's awesome. I I don't think it's a preview. I think after he sends it, he copies it. And by the way, this is what I'm sending. I so like it. It's already out there. I just I get to know after the fact. Syracuse football fans and Josh Black and everybody looks forward to the Sean Tucker tweet. I look forward <laughs> to your dad's comment in the chat. So listen, we want to take a look at Louisville, and we want we can talk Malik Cunningham clearly, but we want to look a little bit beyond that. So before I specify offense or defense, a couple of key players that we should keep an eye on based on what you've looked up. Uh, well, certainly Malik Cunningham is the alpha and the omega when it comes to that uh, rush, that uh, Louisville offense. Um, but if you want to look elsewhere, um, Louisville has a pretty decent running defense. Uh, they're good against the run. They're only allowing 130 yards on the ground per game. That means they have a lot of athletic linebackers that can flow from left to right. Um, they have a skilled uh, safety players that can come up and stack the box when they have to. Uh, although when you really break it down, I think those numbers against the run are a little bit deceiving. Uh, the truth is they haven't faced a rushing offense like Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader. Absolutely. Um, the, I mean, the teams that could run got yards on the ground. Teams like Wake Forest, teams like Florida State, teams that know how to run the football, they're able to get you know close to 200 yards on the ground. So as good as they are against the run, I think they are going up against a completely different test on Saturday when Syracuse comes to town. Any concern over the fact that Louisville has been has averaged 457.8 yards per game over the last five contests? Also, um, we can't seem to beat them recently, uh, and we need the front six, seven, really. Uh, we need help. The entire defense has got to find a way to contain Malik Cunningham. Uh, that's really what it boils down to. Uh, but we had pointed out a little bit earlier, you got some guys with some sack potential, whether it's you, Michael, Michael Jones, Kingsley Jonathan, et cetera, that seem to be wreaking a little bit of havoc in the backfield. We need those types of numbers in order to contain him. Uh, and Syracuse defense has enough to do that so that we can outscore them. Uh, absolutely. This is, without a doubt, a, an explosive offense. Um, Malik Cunningham uh, has, is getting yards on the ground. He's getting it through the air. Uh, he leads the team in not only passing, but rushing as well. Um, so he is a true dual threat quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but when you look at Malik Cunningham, one thing you notice is even though he's a great runner and even though he's a competent and confident passer, what he's not necessarily good at is throwing on the run. He's a guy who has thrown five interceptions this season. He is coming off an ankle injury, which certainly slows him down and uh, makes him less lethal. Uh, he was sacked, God, a, a lot. Uh, yet sacked four times last week against Clemson. And I think the Syracuse linebacking core, you mentioned Mikel Jones, they are athletic enough to where you can have a linebacker by Cunningham on every play without having to bring in a safety and take someone out of pass coverage to be able to contain him. So fortunately, yes, you do have those athletes in the linebacking core that can stay with him 
and uh, make his life a little bit more difficult. So do you expect to see, uh, like, the Louisville loss was 30-24. You know, to 24. Do you expect to see a score in, in that range or something a little bit more similar to what Syracuse did against Clemson, which was the 17-14 to 14 loss? I've kind of heard both. These all, It could just be, you know, a shootout, a track meet, or a little bit more of a defensive game when it's all said and done, Spencer. I mean, where are we going? Yeah, well, I, I was going to actually ask about, you know, because he, he spoke about Malik Cunningham and everything. And, Jacob, I just wanted to know, we, Malik Cunningham is a little bit more of a dual threat than Garrett Schrader at this point in time. He's a little bit better. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. a little bit better passing. Sure. But at the same time, you've got the two-headed monster in the running game with Schrader and Tucker. So who would you give the advantage to in that front? Like, which is going to be m- more difficult for the respective defenses to stop in this game? Uh, well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll say it this way. If Malik Cunningham is 100% vintage Malik Cunningham, um, you know, I know Syracuse has faced dual threat quarterbacks in the past. Uh, they did a great job against Malik Willis. If you think back to that Liberty game, you know, Malik kind of got off to a slow start and then came back in the second half and really started pouring in on the stats. Um, so I think Malik Cunningham is a better runner. He's a more confident runner. Um, but what I will say is as explosive as this offense is, um, Louisville has had a hard time holding on to leads. So in their last three games, they've been outscored 55 to six in the fourth quarter. So for whatever reason, when you get to that money quarter, when you get to the final frame, the offense slows down and that defense, which, you know, if you look at the stats is great against the run, it wears down. And when you think about a rushing offense that can wear down opposing defenses, there's no one better in the conference than Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader at wearing down and grinding down a defense. So if Syracuse can avoid getting off to the slow starts that they've had in recent weeks, and if they can stay within striking distance going into the fourth quarter, I think that running game can assert its dominance and close out close games and get the W. Yeah, it's it's like when you have a, a dual threat backfield, uh, you know, and, and it's a couple of running backs. You know, you you got your starter, you you bring your backup in. Well, in a sense, that's Garrett Trader for Syracuse, yep. quite obviously. So you pummel him with Sean Tucker, and then the next thing you know, you got a six foot four, six foot five quarterback coming in there too, who's just running you ragged. Let's flip it over to Louisville though, as we talk to Jacob Payne here on X thirty one ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. A few weapons for Louisville outside of Malik Cunningham. Jalen Mitchell, their running back. A couple of receivers, Jordan Watkins, Tyler Harrell. Uh, huge concerns for you, or, or do you revert back to, hey, you know what? It's Malik Cunningham. I think you called him the Alpha and Omega. <laughs> did I say that? Didn't he wow, say that? You a, did say that. I, I did say that. That's, a, that's really high praise, isn't it? Um, so they, they have a... a Thick tight end that I think is their most popular target. And uh, they have a wide receivers that they can go to on true deep threats. They have a wide receiver that isn't their go-to, but I think is averaging like uh, 30 yards per catch, something insane. Like he, he is a true deep threat. And that's something that uh, has burnt the Syracuse secondary in the past. Um, having said that, 
if you are limiting Malik Cunningham on the ground and you're keeping him contained and you're forcing him to try to win the game through the air, I think that means your game plan has gone perfectly according to plan and you're going to force some mistakes. And depending on how that ankle feels, I think you can get into the backfield and I think that means I think that means things are going well for you on defense. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm wondering, and I wanted to take it to the special teams aspect. Spencer, uh, we we've seen some issues this year. I, I think we know what they are uh, with the kicking game yep. um, and the punting. James James Williams seems to have improved a little bit. Yeah, definitely over but, the last couple of games. But we've seen some some poor kicks, and then of course we've seen Andre Schmidt struggle, mm-hmm. which has been a shock to us. But how does special teams from the Syracuse perspective factor into this game, Jacob? I think it's going to be big. Uh, I think if you play poorly on special teams, you're probably not going to win. So special teams has to be special. Uh, The Cardinals are pretty mediocre on special teams. Their kicker is maybe kicking 50% on his kicks, so he hasn't been great. Um, Like you mentioned, we finally kind of tighten the screws Uh, on our punt game. Unfortunately, we learned this week that we're going to be without Trevor Williams, but uh, fortunately, or Trevor Pena, excuse me, but fortunately for us, Courtney Jackson uh, has proved himself to be a competent uh, fill-in, taking that punt back for a touchdown last week, which really lit the spark for what had been a pretty humdrum, quiet game offensively for the Orange last week. So, uh, it feels great to know that he is going to be back there, a more than suitable replacement. Um, I do think this game is going to be close. And guys, it could come down to an Andre Schmidt, you know, last second, last minute field goal to submit this one and get a game on the road. Um, so, yeah, special teams are going to be huge. Yeah, and I'd like to see Dino Babers get one over Scott Satterfield. That's all I'm saying. Jeez, you hate when you, you played a guy a couple times and – you got no wins against them whatsoever. So it's time to beat yeah, Louisville. And, and it's time to beat Louisville. And why do we always have to go to Louisville? I, when's the last time they came to our house? Three years in a so, row. Enough of this, right? That's right. Yeah, well, ridiculous. Let's get the win. Let's get the six. Let's get bowl eligible. And let's make sure we remind everybody we'll talk to Jacob Payne again at about 3.30 next Wednesday. Thanks for joining us today, bud. We appreciate you. The last thing we'll say today is next on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Here's the last thing we'll say today. Congratulations to Donovan McNabb's daughter, Lexi McNabb, who will go play basketball at the University of Buffalo for Felicia Leggett-Jack, who will probably be Syracuse women's basketball's coach next year. And Lexi will probably transfer back to her dad's alma mater. But we're just speculating there. No, that's fantastic. And can't wait to see how the ladies do tonight when they get back on the court for the Cuse women's basketball team. I think they're favored by 30. Uh, the women's team. The not, women's not team. Not the ladies' team. The, the women's team. Got you. Is is it okay to, it's better to say women's than ladies? Uh, I think they prefer that. Okay. The women's yes. team? I, I will go with the women's team. I'm not trying to be a boomer there. I'm trying to be <laughs> totally respectful. Uh, I hope they crush tonight. That's for sure. And as CBW asked us in the QSportsTalk.com chat, is that good value? Is that good value? No, actually, you might have heard us. Uh, we're trying to figure out where OBJ is going to end up. Yeah, well, Rams, Packers, Titans, you had heard thrown out there. The Bills, 
Is that he wants to go either to a big market or a team that is favored to win the Super Bowl, and he's just got to be a good boy for a few months, mm-hmm. right? Can yeah. he do that? There, yeah. there's, there's a lot of trepidation when you consider signing him because of the extracurriculars that he brings, the baggage that he brings along, and it's not just the ones carrying his clothes. Yeah. <laughs> so where does he go? I, yeah, the Rams. The Rams are a destination I can see. I'm still. I still don't have like a 100 percent though. I, I, I really don't because it, it's hard for me to envision him in certain places. Like, I could totally see the Pats stepping in at the 11th hour and signing him. But Let's see. they're not totally ready to compete just yet. Yeah, CBW is telling us in the chat. I've seen the reports. You know, you've got uh, Green Bay. You've got the Chiefs. Maybe the Packers or the Saints. I don't see him going to the Saints. No, I definitely don't see I, the Saints. I don't think that's happening. I'd be shocked if that happens. I, I guess we're going to. Find out soon enough. Appreciate everybody in the chat. Garrett Schrader, uh, Jacob Payne, Alex Sims, Mario Sacco, and everybody that joins us on the phones today. Action 31 back tomorrow at 2. You're on the block with Brent X. The top of the hour. It's ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com.